This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, episode 137. Good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster and author of fun fantasy reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what the title says it is, folks. It's a show focused on everything to do with fantasy and sci-fi books. We look at epic fantasy, we look at space opera, urban fantasy, swords and sorcery, you name it. We've got all the best and brightest authors from the various corners of the fantasy and sci-fi book world here on the show just for you. Kicking off things this week, I'll kick in with my own personal writing update. I just started writing the first draft of the new book in my Accidental Champion series. Um, Things are just not as expected when Carrie Dix returns to Phantasma, and she doesn't return alone. I'm having a lot of fun getting this story started, and I can't wait to dig into the rest of it. So um, stay tuned for more updates. Um, You can check out a lot more information about what I'm up to, including some early looks at excerpts from the new book over in my Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. I post sneak peeks of upcoming covers there, too, along with special giveaways and a lot more. Just head over and visit my fan group on Facebook, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers. Um, That's available there. And, of course, you can also find out more about what I'm up to over at jamiedavisbooks.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope you'll check in with me either of those places. Joining us this week on the show is author Kevin Potter. Kevin has been a storyteller for almost as long as he can remember. It started when he was nine when a teacher asked him to write a one-page short story, and he ended up writing a nine-page epic about a magical pair of shoes. From there, his storytelling naturally evolved into DMing his D&D sessions and other role-playing games with friends. Eventually, though, he shifted to writing down his own stories, and in 2013, he finally got serious and decided to try to do this as a professional author. Here's my chat with Kevin, and we talk about his Blood of Dragon series, Uh, a lot of books he's got there, and I think you'll enjoy hearing what we have to talk about. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So why don't you introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about your background and maybe a little bit about how you got into telling stories and writing books. Uh, Well, uh, I'm Kevin Potter. I'm a epic fantasy author primarily. Uh, Honestly, I've been writing for just about as long as I can remember. Um, it started when I was about, I don't know, eight or nine with a, a school assignment that was supposed to be a one-page short story. I turned it into about nine pages about a magic pair of shoes. And from there, I just sort of fell in love with it. Um, I didn't get serious about writing until about 2013 when I had this crazy story idea pop into my head. And shortly after that, I found an abundance of time. So I started really working on it and have just gone from there. That's great. And, you know, it's funny. I talked to so many people that, um, you know, have their beginnings back uh, when some teacher gave them an assignment and they found the love <laughs> for, you know, taking taking that story prompt or whatever and running with it uh, that uh, just kind of fun to hear. And it sounds like you went for went for the epic, uh, epic fantasy uh, expansive story idea right from the beginning. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, for all that, you know, it was a pretty minor idea compared to what I'm doing now, but. Got to start somewhere, right? Of course. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, your series, The Blood of Dragons. Um, where was the genesis for that? I, I know it's, you know, a lot of epic fantasy writers and, and, and even any kind of fantasy writers have dragons in their stories, but you kind of came at it from a different direction. Yeah, um, there's there's really two origin points. Um, the first one is that when I was young, as a reader, um, my 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 first real introduction to fantasy was with the Dragonlance series, which of course features dragons pretty heavily. But I always was a little bit disappointed that we didn't really get very much from the perspective of the dragon. And I spent a lot of time looking specifically for books that do that, that give you the inside of the dragon's head. And there aren't very many that do it. Most writers seem to shy away from that. And I always felt that was something that was lacking in fantasy in general. Um, and then for, so, I mean, I decided that's, that's something I want to do. I like delving into the, the minds and the cultures and the backgrounds of creatures that don't normally see the spotlight. And then for this particular story, um, there's, there's quite a bit of history to that, but I'll condense it a little bit. Um, it started with a story that comes later that I had an idea for a long time ago. And I, it started out as just a little summary of, you know, the, this event here and this event here and this is how it ends. And then I got invited into a short story anthology and I wrote a short story that was sort of background to that. And then shortly after writing that, I realized, you know, there's a whole lot more to this story. So I went from a 5,000-word short story to what, when it's done, will probably be somewhere in the, in the range of uh, a 800,000-word series. Excellent. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it, you're not the only person that, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, stories, longer books and novels come out of, um, short story ideas that, you know, started out as short format, but, you know, I, I think the genesis of it really comes about from having, you know, a, a memorable, strong character that, you know, you want to learn more about, you want to take that, that inkling of a story and a background and everything and a history. Um, and, and it makes you want to write more about it and it makes the readers want to learn more about it. Oh yeah, Absolutely. So what is, um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what it's like making dragons, you know, a character that people want to believe in and, and get behind. I mean, uh, usually they're either a, a sidekick kind of character or they're the bad guys. Um, they, they don't get to be featured that often. Uh-huh. Well, again, part of it comes back to, you know, that initial fantasy exposure for me was with Dragonlance, where there's a lot of dragon side characters and it, it always just sort of struck me as well i mean the you've got this epically powerful super intelligent creature why would it be taking a backseat to what humans are doing um so from that standpoint i just wanted to approach it as okay so you have this this huge ancient powerful creature what are its motivations going to be what is their culture going to look like? What's their society going to look like? You know, how are they going to relate to one another, especially when you're dealing with, you know, different breeds of dragons that are occasionally coming together? You know, what would all that look like? 
And I just sort of extrapolated it based on that. So what, what do you do to, to make that character relatable to a human being? So part of it is I, I, I humanize them to a certain extent. Like, I feel like, you know, even this, this ancient, incredibly powerful creature is still going to have some, at least somewhat human thought processes. You know, they, they've got the things they want and the things that they need, and they've got at least to a certain extent within a certain capacity, they're going to have empathy for others. They're going to have things that they want to do to help other, others of, of their kind, and there are things they're going to want to do to inhibit those that are working against them. And I really just use those things in, in conjunction to, to create this, what feels like a, a whole, complete, real person, if you will. Well, and, and, and I like the idea, you know, the, the description you sent me was, you know, that they, they don't want to have this, like, you know, genocidal conflict with, with humankind. Um, and right. rather than have that conflict, they opt to you know, go into hiding, go into hibernation to, to, to avoid that, what, what they maybe because they're more intelligent and more insightful, what they see coming that is going to be not beneficial to either side. Right. Right. And it's like, I mean, there's, there's opposition to that standpoint, of course, you know, as there always is to any political idea, but you know, it just, I, I always figured, you know, if, if there was going to be a, a conflict between humans and dragons, and if dragons are intelligent and not just animals, like, you know, like what you see in like the movie Reign of Fire and stuff like that, you know, if they're, they're actually intelligent, they're going to look at that from a standpoint of, is this really worth it? You know, especially with the destructive power that they have, how much damage would they do to the earth in the process? And I, I, I feel like that, that would typically be the the predominant way that they look at it so i you know dragons show up in so many different types of fantasy stories what is it you think there are about dragons and and all the, the variations of them that, that exist that that draw fantasy readers and make them such a popular character or creature to place into a story I think a lot of it is just the, the draw of the unknown of the other. And I mean, on top of that, though, we've got the fact that as far as I know, every, every culture that I've actually looked into throughout human history, all of them have a dragon myth, every single one in some form or another. You know, like down in South America, they've got the Quetzalcoatl and, you know, there's the, the Asian uh, noble serpent-like dragons. Just everywhere you go, there's some myth that is either a dragon or something very close to a dragon. And I think that in and of itself creates an instant connection between most people and the idea of a dragon and what it could do and what it would do. You know, it almost has to be because of the, the fossil evidence that, you know, shows up when a hillside, you know, landslide happens and exposes a layer of, of, you know, previously hidden 
um, terrain that has a, you know, a, a skeleton of a dinosaur or something in it. Um, mm-hmm. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't take much for a, a tribal culture to take one look at that and say, well, that used to live. It may still live. It must be a fill in the blank here, dragon creature, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could easily see something like uh, a pteranodon or something like that, you know, finding that skeleton and be like, well, that, that looks like a flying lizard to me. So, you know, and then you, you have your dragon myth spring from that. And, you know, as we know, there are dinosaur bones everywhere, all over the earth. So, I mean, that's definitely a, a plausible reason for it. So when you, when you create your stories and you build, start building characters, um, what kind of work and development do you do? I mean, it sounds like you've done a, a great deal of world building um, to come up with the ideas of, of you know, the dragon kind and humankind opposition and, and conflict and, and a unique way to resolve that or potentially resolve that conflict. But, um, you know, what about characterization and characters? Um, how do you dig into that? Um, honestly, I'm, I'm almost entirely, uh, what I call a discovery writer. I, I don't like the term pantser. Don't ask me why it, it's just something that's always irked me anyway. Um, getting off topic there. Uh, but like when when I write a, a new story, I have a, a few points that I know I'm going to hit. I usually have an idea of how it ends, but pretty much everything else is just kind of spur of the moment. Well, this this sounds good, and that would be cool. And you know, the the characters really just evolve naturally for me. It's it's almost like having a conversation with someone you've just met. You know, well, what would you do in this situation? You know, if if this comes up, what's that going to do? And and that's just the way that I sort of get to know my characters and then I place them in whatever situation and I just see what happens. Yeah, I think I fall like I look at that, you know, the the, the plotter discovery writer continuum as, you know, a sliding scale. And and mm-hmm. depending on the series I'm writing at the time, the books I'm writing at the time, I I know I fall somewhere in the middle of that scale, um, sliding one uh-huh. direction or the other, depending on the story. But, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for that. I, I think that if you, the author are discovering the character along the way, it, it lends, you, you have a feel for how the reader is discovering the character too. And so you can, uh-huh. you can get a sense of, of that revelation and the impact that some of these revelations might have on someone as they're reading, because you're having that same reaction writing. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's honestly a lot of the reason that I write the way that I do is if I already know everything that's going to happen, I end up getting bored and then I don't want to finish it. But when I'm experiencing that as I'm writing it, it's, it's basically just like I'm reading this from someone else. I get to enjoy all the same emotional highs and lows that a brand new reader is going to. And that for me is a lot of what makes it fun. No, I, I completely agree. And, and it's, um, you know, I, 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 I plot out things to a certain extent, but it's often nothing more than, you know, a phrase or a sentence for each chapter, you know, fight scene right. here <laughs> or, Right. Yeah, you that know, makes sense. Um, travel to the island, um, and and so I don't know how they're going to get there, but I figure it out. Um, <laughs> right. You know that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, honestly, one of the coolest writing processes I, I've ever heard about comes from Brandon Sanderson. It's like I, I, I watched all his um, online classes once upon a time, and he talks about how he extensively plans out his plot lines and where he's going to go with everything, but his characters, he discovery writes from the very beginning. And that always seemed like a really awesome mix of the two methods to me. Because, I mean, you see a lot of people that, that are really heavy plotters and they plan everything in advance. And yes, usually their, their plot is amazing and their, their ending is incredible. But a lot of the times their characters just kind of fall flat. Yeah, I see that. Uh, you know, it, it is something to be said for that. And um, like I said, I, I, I feel like the things I discover about my characters as I write, you know, because the crazy ideas they come up with to, to get themselves out of the situation I've put them in uh, tend to, I don't know, tend to surprise me. And if it surprises me, then it's going to surprise the reader. If it, if it makes me anxious, it'll make them anxious and, and so on and so forth. And um, so you know, I, I try to feel like if if it can give me an emotional response, then it should give a reader an emotional response too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like one of the coolest experiences I've ever had is I'm in the middle of writing this emotional scene, and I literally feel myself tearing up as I'm writing it, and that's like, wow, I'm writing this, and it's having that effect on me. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I've I've had the kill off a character time to time. You know, I don't do, I'm not, I'm not George R. R. Martin. I don't kill off every <laughs> character that's beloved, but well, I, I hope I, not. <laughs> but you know, there have been stories that call for, you know, uh, not a sacrifice so much as um, the stakes are high enough that there's no way they're going to get out of the situation they're in unscathed. Um, oh yeah. I've got situations like that. I've it, it's it's heartrending, but it has to happen. I mean, if the, yeah, because if there's no stakes, then then you know, it, obviously, you'd like to say, well, I know the hero is going to survive, but you know, there's there's different types of survival. There's you know, there's the mm-hmm. you know happy ending, everybody goes off into the sunset, and then there's you know limping limping along, broken. Yeah, you succeeded, yeah. but at what cost? And and I think that there's something to be said for both types of endings. Yeah. and I mean, for me, though, another thing you have to keep in mind with that is if you've got this this huge, deadly conflict and you, you go into it and it's like, well, it, it might be that no one survives this. But then at the end, everyone comes out and they're all alive and none of them have major life-changing injuries. I mean, how realistic is that? How many reviews are you going to get saying this was really unrealistic, you know? Well, you look at some, you look at some of the greatest fantasy epics of all time. Um, you know, you can go back to Tolkien, to, to the Fellowship of the Ring, and, and, and the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy. And, you know, oh, first off, if, this is a spoiler alert, but if you haven't read them, it's on you. Um, and... <laughs> I got to give that disclaimer to the listenership out there. But, um, you know, at the end of Return of the King, the Frodo had to go. He was so oh, yeah. broken by that process. 
and and Sam had to go up to go back to the Shire alone because of uh-huh. everything that had happened to the two of them. Um, and and it, it was I remember the first time I read that I was it was it was heartbreaking, but yet I understood why uh-huh. Frodo needed to go with the elves. And yep. and I think that you know some people I, I've written a story that and I've written a series that kind of goes in that direction, and. You know, I get a re- I get a reaction from people because typically I tend to write pretty light light fantasy, um, but this is one a darker storyline at the end. And I said, you know what? Look at everything that happened to that character, and then tell me that they were going to come out whole at the other end. And and usually the reaction I get is, well, okay, you're right. Um, <laughs> and but they don't, you know, they don't necessarily see it that way at the beginning because it it is heartbreaking, it is disturbing. Um, that, you know, right. this, this hero won, but there was really no winning. Yeah. I mean, one of my prime examples for a situation like that is the Wheel of Time. Like, you, you have so many characters that, that don't survive that. I'm not going to say who, because I don't want to spoil it just in case anyone hasn't read it. But, you know, and even even the ones that do survive, they're not the same people that they were, and they never will be those people again. You know, and that to me that's that's realism as heartbreaking as it is in some of those cases and it's like if you have that big of a conflict that much death and destruction being dealt i mean not everyone can survive that well and 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 robert jordan set up the stakes for that world in such a way and i mean the whole world is you know in that in that story the world is as much a character as the characters themselves are and, oh, and yeah. he set up the Absolutely. stakes for the outcomes between cultures like the Aiel and the Shanshan. Um, uh-huh. you know, there was going to be, no matter what happened in the battle, there was destined to be some kind of conflict between the two. And, and he foreshadowed that throughout the entire story. And it became one of the, the, the it, it became something that caused angst for me as, as the story progressed over right. you know this this potential cost that could happen and it ultimately i think you know drove some of the the things that happened in the end of the story because you know the other characters saw that potential conflict coming and and they knew that had to be resolved in some way and maybe oh, it yeah. was and here's the thing maybe it was maybe it wasn't we don't know because at the end <laughs> it's, you know we don't see what happens in the future we know what a potential future could be but uh you know it 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 is you know, that world was forever changed by those events. Oh, yeah. So the, um, the Valhara saga has four books in it. Um, is that the extent of it, or are there more books coming? Now, there's, there's more books coming. And essentially, the, the saga as a whole is technically going to be two connected series. Uh, one of them is The Blood of the Dragons, which is those first four books. There's going to be two more books after that. And then it's going to move into my series called The Calamity, which currently has a prequel and a first book. But I'm not going to be continuing that one until Blood of the Dragons is finished. So, you know, you got so a this lot point, I feel like out. I've just built up. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, at this point, I feel like I've just built up Blood of the Dragons too much to, to leave it hanging for you know, six months to a year while I write another epic 300,000 word book to, to go into the Calamity series. 
because um, those ones are quite a bit longer than the Blood of Dragons books. So when you are planning the, the next book, what are you thinking that you said the next book's coming out in September? Yes. So we'll be planning this episode to come out right around that time frame. So if you're listening to this, folks, we record these a little bit ahead of time, but um, a few weeks ahead of time, but we'll be bringing this out. So look for the link in the show notes because you'll be able to get the next book in the Blood of Dragons series. What's, um, what's the title of the next book? Uh, that book is called Revenge of the Overlords. Excellent. Well, um, any place else that folks can catch up with you to find out what, uh, what you're doing, what you're up to, uh, what your ongoing projects are? Um, yeah, I've got a, a Twitter page that I am not terribly active on, uh, at least for my own stuff. Um, that's at K Potter Books. Um, but the, the main place is going to be through my Facebook page, um, which is just uh, facebook.com slash kpotter.fiction. Um, and that's, that's where I usually talk more, mostly about my own books and what's going on and you know when things are going to be coming out and that sort of thing. Excellent. Well, Kevin, it is great to have you on. I've really enjoyed talking with you about story and and um, how you've kind of re regenerated the the dragon myth and the idea of how we can deal with dragons in our stories. Um, I, I think people were going to find this fascinating. I hope they look up your books and find out more about what you're up to. Um, I know they can also find you over at kevinpotterauthor.com. And um, I'll have links to that, your books, and your Facebook page, all in the show notes for this episode, so uh, folks can check all of that out. But thanks so much for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I hope you'll catch up with us for more and a lot of other good stuff over at the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Focus community. You can find them over in the group on Facebook and over at fantasy-focus.com. Leave a comment on this episode and let me know what's on your mind. Also on the website, on each podcast episode post, you'll find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite mobile app for iOS, Android, or even by email. Um, make sure you do that because you don't want to miss any of our upcoming episodes, including our next episode with author P.D. Oliva. You won't want to miss it. It's a lot of fun. That's it for this episode, though. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over on Facebook in my Facebook group, Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers, and at my website, jamiedavisbooks.com, where if you want to just check out what I've written and get a free book, you can do that. Just sign up for the newsletter right there on the right-hand side of the page. Whatever you do, though, subscribe to the podcast. Come back here for our next episode to catch the next author and their exciting tales. And in the meantime, don't forget to keep your eyes open, folks, because there's magic all around you. <laughs>